0: The first series of the season is in the books in 2023. We'll discuss some of those series highlights against those pes- pesky White Sox. Then we're going to look ahead and preview the series against the Windless Tigers. Hey, did you guys hear that Altuve's house was burglarized on opening day? Call me a pessimist. I have a hunch the criminals are going to get off because one may be a judge. It's episode 17 of Stone Cold Strows and it starts right now. Welcome in to the Stone Cold Shows. I'm Brandon Strange. The man in the middle is Sports Map Houston senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. You can follow him on Twitter at Palillo and read his column weekly on sportsmap.com. And next to that guy is the other guy who edits that column and all the columns on sportsmap.com. He's sportsmap.com editor and host of ESPN 97.5 and 92.5's Moneyline, Josh Jordan. Follow him on Twitter. At Josh Jordan 975. Charlie, Josh, welcome in.
1: Welcome to you. The pomp and circumstance, the kind of final celebration of the 2022 champions put to rest with three sellouts, basically, and one near miss on the fourth. Results eh, four games out of 162. So for the internet types already looking for panic buttons, tie your hands up.
0: Yeah, let's get ready to overreact here. Are you saying I can't wear my championship gear anymore? Because that was not $40 well spent, if that's what you're saying. Oh, you can.
1: But the Astros gold jerseys now go to the archives and uh, probably
0: one or two to Cooperstown. I get you.
2: And I believe we get the Space City jerseys tonight with uh, Hunter Brown on the mound.
0: That is right. And we're going to preview that series. Charlie, I teased in the open Astros split the uh, opening series against the Sox what were your takeaways from series one of 2023? Okay.
1: First, I feel like we should put in the obligatory mention that it's four games out of 162 for fans overreacting to each game as if it's the greatest or worst thing ever is part of the process. Uh, But we'll go for a, a more rational measured approach. Remember along the way last season, the Oakland A's swept the Astros in a series. So what happens over any three or four games? No big deal. So the split, uh, mildly disappointing. I think the most logical prediction outcome of a four-game series for the Astros against pretty much anybody at home is taking three out of four, so they fall short of that. I'm going to go with the most positive things coming out of it. One, Fromber looked very sharp uh, opening night and getting through five scoreless innings. And Jordan's hands seem to be just fine. I know frustrating <laughs> for many an Astro fan that he sat out yesterday but you're just starting the very long game, right? Baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. So Jordan's going to have some more off days than any Astros rooter would prefer these first few weeks of the season. But that he has swung the bat fantastically so far, that bodes well. It's about health for Jordan because, you know, if he's right, many, many baseballs are going to get hit very, very hard and travel very, very far.
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's uh, Jordan, Kyle Tucker. We're seeing the shift going away, already benefiting the Astros. That's nice to see. I mean, those guys look incredible to start the season. Kyle Tucker flashing the leather, incredible play at the wall. So no surprise from those guys. They've been fantastic. Two more names
1: I'll throw in. Jose Abreu, uh, a four-game hitting streak. DiMaggio's not spinning in his graves just yet, but Abreu against his ex-mates, back-to-back two-hit games, Saturday and Sunday in that series, Uh, But since it was a split, obviously wasn't all good. If anyone's seen Alex Bregman, please return his skills to him. Bregman's had a habit of lousy starts to the season. Maybe he's condensed this one into four games. Zip for 16 and, frankly, looking inept at the plate. Uh, Alex Bregman, seven strikeouts in those 16 at-bats. He and Michael Brantley, the best contact hitters uh, on this team when all is healthy and going well. Uh, Very few even decent swings. In the series, I'm sure no one's more frustrated than uh, who was hoping to get off to a good start as a precursor to a a monster season. Turned 29 years old opening day that he looked more like 49 in the batter's box. Again, no reaching for the ripcord on him, uh, but kind of jarring to see seven strikeouts in 16 games on Bregman. A three strikeout game uh, in the series, seven strikeouts over the four games. Last season, Alex Bregman had two games in which he struck out three times the entire season, 2021, 2020, 2019 never happened. So again, maybe he's getting the very bottom of his season out of the way
0: very early. And let's remember last season as well, he had an awful first half, just really unfortunate for him. Uh, in As you said, Charlie, he has a tendency to start the season slow, slow, uh, we we didn't see the second half in him. We didn't certainly didn't see the postseason run in him coming. I, I don't think anyone predicted it. There was a lot of a lot of talk about whether Bregman was washed up in that first half or not. So I think if we've learned anything from last season, one of those things should be let's not overreact. So I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, uh, Charlie. I'm gonna look at the positive side of it. Uh, Tucker and Yordan—they were featured in the image for a reason. It's that's a good reminder of the weapons that you have on this team when they're at their full strength. Yordan, if he continues on this torrid pace, what a deal that contract looks like. And Tucker, on the other hand, if he keeps on this torrid pace, just a reminder that he'll probably be walking again. Uh, one of the things I, I did want to ask you about, Charlie, though, was—and uh, both of you guys—was just about the starting pitching. Any any concerns the starting pitching has not gone deep in any of the first four games already putting a little bit of pressure on uh the bullpen
1: yeah good thing they have a good deep bullpen presuming everyone gets to form again we can't hammer it enough four games out of 162 if you take a four game series or stretch of games in june or august it's just a hiccup well, so far, it's the entire body of work leaning uh, lending itself to that much more overreaction. So, uh, you know, a concern, I will say no. Uh, no one left the mound holding onto their elbow or complaining of shoulder stiffness. Uh, Fromber was strong. And then after that, uh, Javier giving up a hit in each inning that he pitched, you know, after he hardly gave up any hits in any games that he pitched. I think it was seven hits total allowed in his last 34 innings pitched last season, including the postseason. So, to see him up eight and five innings was a whoa, but nothing to be concerned about. Uh, Urquiti does give up some hits. The bugaboo with Urquiti is to keep the ball in the ballpark. Uh, Luis Garcia at least did get through five innings yesterday and uh, also the bullpen. You know, Ryan Presley better yet an upset stomach or whatever it turns out to be than uh, his forearm is, is, is stiff on him. Uh, Montero's first outing. Uh oh, three years, 34.5 million for a guy who had one good major league season. An outing or two, no one should get bent out of shape. It's okay to be mindful, and certain things will bear watching maybe more than others. Uh, on the offense, I just wanted to throw in the one other caveat no Altuve to a much lesser extent of importance, no Brantley. So we need to asterisk uh, any underachievement of the Astros offense. They only hit 227 in the series, we're out hit 45 to 28. I don't expect that to be typical over the long run.
2: Yeah, for me, I've heard a lot of negativity about the starters not going as long as people anticipated, having to use the bullpen too much. So I was just curious. I I felt it was pretty normal considering it's the first week of the season. A lot of these guys had the WBC kind of throwing a wrench into everything. So I went back and looked at last year, how did the season start? The only one to put up any significant innings in their first start was Fromber. Game one to start last year in 2022, Fromber went six and two thirds. Great, right? But game two for Fromber, three innings. Game three for Fromber, four and a third. Jake Odorizzi started the second game of the season last year. He only went four innings in that game. Verlander started the third game. He only went five. Urquidy, he went five. Garcia went four. So if we just go back and look at what happened last year, this is this is all very similar to what we saw this week. I'm not concerned in the least. Good set of numbers there, Josh. Uh, three of the four guys went
1: five. The fourth went four. No one got act out an inning in two-thirds or, or two-and-a-third innings. And you're carrying an eight-man bullpen. Obviously, you want your frontline starters to go more six on average, in Fromber's case, seven. But if they go five, that leaves four innings in a typical nine-inning game. You're going to throw all nine innings, at least when you're at home. So four relievers one day to cover one inning apiece, four relievers the next day to cover one inning apiece. Uh, it's not putting the Astros in, in horrible arrears if it went that way over the course of a month. Uh, but they start mixing in off days as well. Uh, End of this week, the quirky, they're at Minnesota, so the Twins have their home opener Thursday, so protect against a rain out or snow out early April in Minneapolis. Fridays is scheduled off day. Then they're off the following Thursday and the Thursday after that. Then we'll have a couple times in the season where you're off both a Thursday and the following Monday or a Monday and just three days later on a Thursday. So, uh, yes, no crisis. Uh, None of their pitchers are going deeply into the games
0: enough. And again, let's keep some perspective. They are two and two. Uh, Through the first 22 games last season, they were at 11 11. Uh, Let's also give Dylan C. some credit, too. He looked every bit the Cy Young runner up that he was last year. And speaking of White Sox pitching, hey, stop hitting the Astros. Six Astros players hit during that series. Ah, uh, some scary looking stuff, too, and some uh, hit by pitches that didn't actually look like hit by pitches looked like they were uh, hit the knob of the bat and and as one uh, in one instance. Um, we did get to see the first four games of the season under the new rules being implemented. I gotta say, spoiler alert, I'm a fan. Uh, Out of the gate, we're seeing a a reduction in time by 20 minutes on average per game. We're seeing an increase in stolen bases. So we're getting more activity and less time. Am I missing something, guys, or is this a win-win?
1: To each his own, but to those who disagree with you, disagree with me. I think Josh makes it unanimous on this. You're all wrong. Uh, It's actually 25 minutes down thus far in a small sample size, but it's tracking along the way that spring training did. Regular season games are played differently, but from three hours, three minutes last season to two hours, 38 minutes through the first weekend, you are cutting out the chaff. You're not cutting out key strategic points in the game. Uh, It moves along at a brisk pace, but I don't feel like you're playing it fast forward and that you can't catch your breath. And just look at the number of violations we've had. Very, very minimal to this point. These are the best in the world at what they do. Adaptability is part of it. Uh, I think in the end, it'll be much ado about not much. uh, Those fretting about this being the ruination of the pace of the game.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is just going back to when the game was in its heyday. 70s, 80s games were two and a half hours long. That's, you know, when football and baseball were very popular. So I, I don't have an issue with it. I do find it interesting. The Astros struck out 41 times in this series. And we know that's what's made them special the last few years. They put the ball in play. So you wonder if maybe the strikeouts will come down a little bit as they get a little more accustomed to the pitch clock. Well, two of the three best contact guys are Altuve and Brantley. So
1: both out there as a factor. Uh, You alluded to Dylan Cease. He's a stud and a very high strikeout guy. Uh, Mike Clevenger, who started the finale when he's healthy and right, he's a pretty notable strikeout pitcher. Uh, Lucas Giolito has finished top five, I think, in strikeouts uh, about a couple of years ago uh, when he was at, at his best. So, you know, the White Sox can be a factor uh, in the American League Central where there's no super team. I think the Guardians are the the clear favorites, the reigning champions, and you have the the twins in there. But it's not as if it was some AAA pitching staff came in here and had the Astros whipping left and right. Again, the standards now are so high for the Astros themselves and for any observers That 41 strikeouts in four games, that's averaging double digits, you know, batting with runners in scoring position, they weren't very good. But I'll just give you one game example on that. The Sunday finale, they were three for 14. So they had chances galore, left ducks all over the pond, three for 14. That's a 214 batting average. They have no clutch hitting anymore. Oh, no. Well, with one more at bat, if they had a hit in that, they'd be four for 15. That's 267, which would be just fine with runners in scoring positions. So uh, everything is so squeezed in terms of the numbers and they can go up and down in a hurry. That's why over 162 games in major league baseball water always finds its level. And the water level around here projects to be pretty high or deep.
2: Yeah. As far as the rules, it's really been over the last 10 years or so where games started averaging over three hours. So I think that's why they finally had to get their arms around this thing. And, and put these new rules into place. I haven't noticed the pitch clock as much. Do you find yourself staring at it, ticking down while you're watching the game? I really haven't as much as I thought I would.
1: No, just initially at Minute Maid Park, I'm sure it'll be the same in all ballparks. There are two, so uh, which batter's box you're in. Uh, if you're on one side of the infield, you want to peek back over a shoulder, I guess. Um, so no, I don't, I don't find it intrusive at all. And uh, on the subject of the new rules, I don't know how long it would take for, uh, provided his teammates know who Ricky Henderson was and is. Ricky still with us? Uh, Chaz McCormick uh, leading the streaking strolls on the base paths. Six stolen bases in four games. They and Chaz aren't going to maintain that pace. I don't think it'll be over 240 stolen bases for the team. Uh, but the running game, which is action, pitch to pitch action. Uh, stolen base attempts up notably. Stolen base percentage success way up over 85% for the first weekend of games. That should encourage even more running and even more action. Action, and action. We want action.
0: And isn't that kind of just a response to how analytics kind of take steals out of the game? You know, just a few years ago, like there were stealing bases was much more common very recently ago and then analytics, you know, over the past, you know, six, seven years has really, you know, deterred that and, and people who you know, don't want to give away outs and, and bunts and things like that. But now you're going to see a lot more action on the basis. I think it makes the game a lot more exciting. Again, I think this is going to give fans a lot more of what they love about the game. They're just going to get it in, in a lot more condensed format. And it's not just about, Oh, you're only shaving, uh, you know, tw- 20 minutes off of a game or again, just, for round numbers, tw- it's 20 minutes off game or 25 minutes. You're not talking about just one game. You're talking about 162 games. So you're talking about over 50 hours of gameplay that you're reducing per season that you don't have to sit through that, by the way, was nothing. It was nothing. It was guys rubbing up the ball and, you know, hitting the rosin bag and Kyle Tucker grabbing the sand and, and dirt and rubbing it. And, like you weren't doing anything, guys backing out of the box and playing mind games. You, you don't have to deal with that anymore. And you get all the same things. I haven't to, to you know, your, your question about w- whether you noticed it or not. Like no, I didn't. It's not like a shot clock or anything like that. I mean, it's it's obviously they're invisible. And to your point, Charlie, you know, we're it's prompting guys to run. We saw uh, the shot or the uh, the pitch clock actually play a role. I believe Kyle Tucker used it to time stealing third, or at least an attempt to steal third. And so you can you're going to see a little bit more baseball strategy that works into these roles. And I think again, if had we not known uh, that. This, these games would be allowed to be this long in the previous seasons. I don't think we would have a problem with what's going on right now. To Josh's point, this is old school baseball. This gets back to old school baseball. It just forces the issue because we had gone so far the other direction.
1: Managers have to be quicker on challenge decisions. No more holding up your hand and stalling, stalling until you see a replay in the dugout or someone down the tunnel takes a look. You know, you get 15 seconds or you cannot challenge the play and to amplify on the running game, right? The analytics and the numbers are pretty clear. If your success rate is not at least 75% stealing bases, you are neutral or doing more harm than good. So don't run the risk of giving away outs. Uh, I go back earlier than that. Once we got into the steroid era, it was, hey, 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 don't run into an out. We're waiting on a three-run homer here by someone (laughs) jacking one 450 feet. And even before that, uh, the diminished use of AstroTurf, in major league parks right guys are faster running on artificial surface than they are dirt so that was another inhibitor to the running game very few places now have the fake stuff a handful toronto uh st petersburg uh, a couple of others uh but you know you add all these things together but especially the bigger bases and to me you know it's once you look a couple of times uh, i'm not looking out there thinking those bases are gigantic two steps in a slide and the guy's to second already um, but I would recommend Martin Aldenado not try to throw out base stealers from his knees because you can't get the velocity on the throws, and you need to get it there a little more quickly now, uh, rather than uh, with a little little arc on it. And, and the Astros ran on Grandal the same way in the series.
0: So the uh, winless Tigers uh, make their way into Minute Maid uh, uh, starting today. As a matter of fact, this is one of the I think the only time, the only Monday all season that we'll have a, a game the same day if I'm not mistaken. And so, uh, like I said, the Tigers make their way in a minute made. They of the last place rated farm system in MLB. Do we think the Astros get well against Detroit's kitty cats?
1: Well, three game series, anything less than two out of three for one series in April would be a dismal failure for the Astros. I mean, a losing homestand, um, you know, they should sweep the Tigers. They have the better pitcher on the mound, Certainly in the second and third games, Hunter Brown makes the first start against uh, Gregory Boyd, uh, a guy the uh, Astros have had. Uh, Matthew Boyd had had interest in, in trading for uh, a couple of years ago. He's trying to get his career on track in time for free agency. Uh, you look at the Tigers lineup. They have a couple decent progress, but they're terrible. I mean, he's not literally poor, but poor A.J. Hinch. Uh, they have no shot. They have a new general manager. I don't know if that portends well for AJ's future managing the Tigers after this year. He might feel like he's paroled if he's let go because it'll be a near baseball miracle if they don't lose lose at least 90, right? They're, they're bottom racing with the Royals, again, in the in the American League Central. So, yeah, this should be a feel-good series for the Astros, but in one little three-game droplet in the ocean, who the heck knows?
2: Yeah, I'll be looking at games one and three of this series because – I'm liking what I'm seeing from Chaz McCormick, a, a real spark with him in the lineup, getting on base, stealing bases like we talked about, playing a great center field. Jake Myers, he scared me a little bit in, in the early action that I saw with him in center field, You know, judging fly balls. His arm still looks like it's not what it was. So I think with a couple left-handed pitchers in games one and three, McCormick's very effective against lefties, especially opposed to righties. Dusty should have him out there for those two games.
1: You mentioned uh, Dusty, um, one. You know, I'm not worried if Jainer Diaz doesn't get off to a a piping hot start, but I love the fact that he DH'd opening day, giving him some other options. Uh, As the backup catcher, I would presume Diaz will start one out of every three. Cesar Sanchez pretty much here as the emergency catcher. If you want to hit for Maldi in a game where Diaz is already in as the DH and you don't want to lose the designated hitter for the rest of the game. And uh, because – it's not second-guessing if before it plays out. You're saying, hey, why isn't the manager, in this case, Dusty Baker, doing this? But uh, I imagine a few Astros fans were scratching their heads, if not throwing things, when the Sunday game ended with the tying run at the plate, Jordan Alvarez on the bench, and Jordan Alvarez, not that man, in the batter's box. Uh, maybe it's a little too inside baseball-y for the broader conversations that, that we have here. I just wanted to defend Dusty. On one level, because I'm certainly open to criticizing game strategy of his. Uh, But if you hit for McCormick there, it's possible they just walk Yordan intentionally, (laughs) even though it loads the bases, puts the tying run on first, brings the potential winning run at the plate. And then you had Corey Jolks uh, up at bat. Uh, To me, I still would have preferred to force their hand to put the tying run on base and give Jolks a shot uh, as opposed to McCormick versus a righty. Uh, But saving Yordan as your silver bullet, when you never get to pull the trigger, that understandably
2: smarted, I'm sure, for many an Astros fan. It didn't even look like he was an option. He didn't have batting gloves on or, you know, he was just kind of standing there talking in the dugout. So it doesn't didn't even look like that was close to happening.
0: I think they are going to, speaking of hands, they are going to treat him with the largest, softest kid gloves possible, especially early on in the season, especially when these games really don't matter at this point. And so I, and I think also that's probably why we're going to see Jake Myers out here early. I know a lot of people, I I saw social media, which is always, always your biggest lynch mob uh, out there, but I saw on Twitter, you know, a lot of people just could not understand why Jake Myers is still getting run. I think they're just trying to give him every bit of opportunity to hit himself off of this team. I think they have, uh, you know, they're going to need some options, especially in the outfield, they're trying to give Jake every opportunity to re-find himself and to find the, the player that he was before that ill-fated White Sox series in which he you know, hurt his shoulder uh, running for a fly ball. I just, I, you know, it, it doesn't look early like he's finding it. Josh, you mentioned the the arm that does not look like much of a threat, and that's why we've heard the reasoning of why Jake continues to be run out there is because for his defense – But if that's not the case, if he can't even give you anything, I mean, Dubon, like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of fan disgruntlement about Dubon being out there. Dubon's got an excellent, excellent glove. And we saw a rocket arm from him gunning down a runner going to third. So Dubon's going to give you defensive value. And so, you know, if Jake's not going to do that, if Jake's not can't even give you the defensive side of the ball, it's going to make for a short season for him, or maybe a long one for the fans. But I, I do give Dusty credit for at least trying it. Because again, for the same reason, you're not going to put Jordan out there, assumedly, because it's just it's so early and these games don't really matter that much yet. Um, I
2: about Jake, real quick, he did, you know, hit a curveball to the warning track yeah. after Dylan Cease when you know he was really dominating. So he did have a good at bat there. But yeah, you're right. And and Dusty talked about Dubon last year when he was playing a lot of center field for for Verlander. He said Dubon actually has a slightly better arm than even McCormick does. So that that is a skill set that he brings to the ballpark every day.
1: That Dubon offers both infield and outfield defensive versatility. His spot's entirely safe. Uh, If we're not being strung along on Brantley and he is back before the end of April, it's either Myers or jolks going to Sugarland, or if you wanted to carry both uh, and not go with a third catcher, you could, you could farm out uh, Sanchez and we'll also be uh, mindful of what Corey Lee is doing as a space cowboy connected for his first Homer of the season over the weekend.
0: Speaking of players that are ailing and uh, we probably could have gotten to this in the, in the first topic kind of talking about our, the starters not going deep, but after the starters did not go deep there was a lot of chatter on uh, social media about well i guess you're missing verlander now well not so much uh josh josh give us a status update on what's going on with mr justin verlander in new york
2: yeah he's injured it's kind of a similar to the lat what's the actual name for it brandon i know you know uh it's a. Uh, didn't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, yeah, it's just the a little
1: terrace major.
2: That's what it is, Charlie. Can and just so, say his arm hurts. Yeah, his his arm hurts. That's that's really all it is. So, I mean, not a, that's what you kind of expected with a you know a forty year old pitcher that this stuff might happen, and and we saw him kind of wear down with the ankle injury last year, and then that the postseason wasn't quite as good as the you know the Cy Young regular season. So yeah, that's uh, it's so funny. Everybody's like, ah, oh,
0: see, you should have kept Verlander. And I'm like, he did not even playing right now. What are we
2: talking about here?
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of guys that have been. Uh, I mean, I don't know, just, like, WBC, and especially for and the, the Astros specific, I it's amazing the Astros have as many players that are in the shape they are considering considering the amount of players that played for WBC and considering the super short off season they had because they've, they played so deep into it. And because the season got started so late uh, the, the previous season. So it, it's actually uh, pretty incredible. And, you know, again, just some poor luck that LTV is where he's at. And I think if you all things considered um, you know, you, you, expect them to just tread water right now, right? Like you're not expecting them to like, you know, set the world on fire. And hey, let it ne'er be said that the Astros aren't charitable, allowing the Texas Rangers of all teams to enjoy some time in the, sh- in the sun in the division. So you're welcome, Texas Rangers. Just quickly, Charlie, uh, the Tigers announced that this is Miguel Cabrera's farewell tour and they're calling it Gracias Miggy. I mean, I guess not much for originality, but it gets the, the point across. I was fortunate enough to have a few limited interactions with him, and he was always a pleasant dude. What's your memories of Miggy? Uh, you know, what's his impact on this game, or what was his impact on this game?
1: One of the great right handed hitters of all time. Uh, in this era, his career pretty much ran concurrently with Albert Pujols. Albert got here a little bit earlier, retires one year sooner. Um, you know, Manny Ramirez been out for a few years now, of course, Manny tainted by uh, multiple PED flunks. Uh, but Miggy, like Albert, not a lot of infield hits in their career. Uh, Cabrera hasn't been a good player since about 2016. And he's been a contractual anvil now for several years. He got one of those 11, 12 year contracts. Beware Padres, Phillies and others. And he's been making $32 million per year. It's not been the difference between the Tigers going to the playoffs or not because they've been lousy now the last couple, three years. But he had an extended prime that was just a monster. Uh, mentioned very few infield hits. Four-time batting champion, seven consecutive years where he hit at least 30 home runs and drove in at least 100 runs, 11 straight seasons in which he drove in over 100 runs, A back-to-back Most Valuable Player Award winner in his peak years, the early uh, 2010s. And, oh, by the way, the first Triple Crown winner in Major League Baseball since 1967 uh, when he did that back in 2012 or so. Uh, You know, it's it's a team game. More components involved than uh, any of our sports but football. Uh, But that the Tigers had Miggy at the peak of his powers, uh, young Verlander, Max Scherzer. Made a World Series, but never won one with those guys. Verlander, of course, got his with the Astros. Scherzer with the Nationals. Mickey got his very early as a baby, as a 19-year-old with the then Florida Marlins. Uh, brilliant, brilliant career. Five years from now, Pasco collect $200. Actually, he's collected well over $200 million. Uh, first ballot, Hall of Famer, no-brainer.
2: Yeah, I just remember him coming on the scene with the Marlins, his age 21 season. He's hitting 30 bombs. I, I remember playing fantasy baseball back then. He was a hot commodity at the time, that's for sure.
1: Well, that be means- seven guys ever to have both 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. And among those, A Rod, cheater, Rafael Palmero, cheater. So we're talking Aaron, Mays, Pujols, Miggy. And I feel like I forgot one in there.
2: Keep Give me company.
0: Well, in honor of all-time MLB players, uh, this week's bottom line question of the week, who is your all-time favorite Astro? Uh, Charlie, you're more objective than, than Josh and I. So who was your all-time favorite Astro to watch?
1: Well, look, uh, in my baseball playing days, which peaked rather early, I was a five foot six or under second baseman. So, is that tip the scale a little bit? <laughs> um, right. Altuve's been a remarkable player. You throw in all the October memories. But when he first got here, this was a big leaguer. I could look eye to eye. And my eye, if he wasn't in baseball spikes, a little bit higher. It's like when Akeem Olajuwon was always listed as seven foot. No, Dream was like six ten and three quarters. He was even greater with all that he could do as a non-seven footer. Uh, Altuve is like five 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 and a half, uh, not five six for everything that that he has hung on the wall and presumably still has to as to put up there. Uh, so as uh, as the guy spanning this full, I know golden era. I like saying platinum era because it's it's been better in golden over these last six years. You um, know, Altuve and Biggio before him, the way he played the game for so long. So, yeah, I'm not the diehard Astros fan per se, but I appreciate excellence. I appreciate consistency. I appreciate durability and uh, a one-two punch of second baseman with, you know, just a little bit of lag time, Bill Hall in, in there. Um, it's kind of like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback for the Packers for the span of 30 years, two guys at that level. The Astros essentially Biggio to Altuve. Yes, please.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, Altuve has to be in the conversation for me because that's the Jersey I got there behind me <laughs> for this shoulder. Um, but if I'm going to go a little older from my childhood, I was a big Mike, uh, Mike Scott fan. Um, just really excited. It's kind of that, uh, father, son kind of thing, dad, like Nolan Ryan. So you always want to pick somebody different from your dad. So, you know, Mike Scott was my guy back then. He, he had some incredible seasons, I believe a two, two, two ERA in 1986. If I remember correctly, you do.
0: I'm, I'm going to go with, well, before I give mine, I want to make sure everybody in the comments is giving theirs as well. Cause I forgot to ask people to, uh, so if you're in the chat, and you want to give your comment, your all-time favorite. You know, I, should, I probably should have prefaced it and said none of the current players. So let me, let me take that away from you. Let me, let me say no current players, Charlie. Who's someone who's not on the current roster that, that uh, was someone that, who was really enjoyable for you to watch?
1: Well, I mean, from when I got down here was getting into the era of Biggio and then Bagwell. So 15 years with those guys alongside uh, for pure greatness, uh, Bagwell, the, the best Astro that I've seen, uh, non pitcher department. A uh, guy who wasn't that fast, but a brilliant base runner in 30 uh, 30 a couple of seasons. Um, you know, if we wanted to go with, uh, you know, guys who you know from covering them, different role than covering locker rooms, you know, guys who are really good guys. Uh, Brad Osmus was a very insightful, uh, terrific interview, game in, game out. Um, but, you know, if we're going with the, the best to watch, uh, it was the, the top two of the killer bees, yeah. I wasn't go- around for you know, Chao Cruz, and sure, I go back to Cesar Cedano and, and Bob Watson and Rafael Landestoy and Mark Lemongello. Okay, I'll stop.
0: Well, I so if you were to ask me as a eight year old uh, or nine year old, I would have told you Bill Dorn that was my favorite uh astro to watch. Uh, probably, probably second to that would have been Glenn Davis, but. The Astros that I think you know really solidified me as an Astros fan. Fan uh, were those killer beast teams and Lance Bergman. How can you how can you not love Lance Bergman? Uh, Two ninety three career batting average, three hundred sixty six home runs. Uh, Guy was just he. He was the killer bee that actually was a killer. And to to
1: piggyback on Berkman, also uh, uh, just a fun guy to talk with, uh, a great interview. If he ever had interest and wanted to commit to it full time, which he does not, and hopefully the the coaching career is fulfilling and works out, uh, he'd be a delight as an analyst.
0: And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Hey, I I remember to do it this week, uh, Charlie. That's going to do it Uh, for our... WrestleMania weekend, how could you not? Oh, there you go. That's right. That's right. that's going to do it for episode 17 of Stone Cold Strohs. For uh, Charlie and Josh, I want to thank everybody here. Charlie and Josh, I want to thank you for joining me and talking some baseball. We will be back here next Monday for episode 18. We do appreciate uh, all of you guys joining us, and we will see you here again next week. Until then, go Strohs.